I just, uh, man, I'm just thinking, wow, again. I know y'all probably get tired of this, but uh, I know you made a home inside this heart of stone, so turn it into flesh. Spirit, soften it. Um, just that lyric, you know, it comes from Ezekiel 36, which is one of my favorite passages because it's a, it's a, it shows the heart of God. It shows the, I mean, if God had a dream, you know, you think about we all have dreams, something we want to accomplish, uh, you know, or something that we'd like to see happen that most of us probably never will see. Uh, but maybe will, I don't know. Uh, believe in your dream. Go for it. But if God had a dream, this is it. He, he reveals it to us in this passage. In, in Ezekiel 36, he talks about the fact that Israel was so disobedient all the time, just constantly doing, doing, just disobeying him. And the only way he could reveal himself to them is if they would obey, them, obey him so that he could show them that his justice and his mercy work hand in hand. Uh, he can't not be just, you know, and in order to have a relationship with them, they needed to be just. And, and he wanted to bless them, but they kept being disobedient. So they would give a false picture to everybody else in the world of who he was if he just let it go. And so he couldn't. And he was, you know, you sense, I'm sure he wasn't frustrated because being frustrated would mean he didn't know it was going to happen. And, uh, but I think disappointed uh, or, man, I wish these guys would get it. Uh, because all the other nations are looking at them and, and they have this false picture of who I am. And I was just sitting there thinking, that is exactly where we are today. You know, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, just how the, the false picture that this community has of who God is because of what we have done in religious circles. And we've been disobedient, and we've not encountered or experienced God in the way that he wants us to. And so this false picture of who God is is prevalent and predominant in this Bible Belt culture that we live in. And I sense the same heart of God this morning that I want a people you know Ezekiel said on behalf of God prophesying about us today that the time will come when I will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh well I'll sprinkle clean water on you first which is symbolic of Christ's blood I'll sprinkle clean water on you and I will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit in you and you will obey my laws and decrees. That, that's a whole different picture. It wasn't you will obey them because if you don't, you're going to get punished. It wasn't, if, you know, you're going to obey them because you're scared to death of me. It's I'm going to change your heart so that you will desire to obey me. And then, then you will be my people and I will be your God. And the people around you will see for the first time who I really am. Yeah, and we are those people. It just, it, man, I, I got kind of silly, giddy, kind of goosebumpy right there in my chair thinking about the fact that we are the ones that get to do this. Y'all with me? Well, we get to do this. We get to be the ones that if we will do what we just sang, I mean, really, God, take this heart of stone, turn it into flesh, right? God, do that. He has to do that. How's he going to do it? He's going to reveal himself to us, and we're going we're gonna to walk with him. In life today, we were reading. It was not by accident. It always happens this way. But in our morning devotion before uh, worship practice tomorrow, we're talking about the commands of God and David saying, "I love your decrees. I love your commands. I love you because it reveals you." And David was a man not after God's decrees. He was a man after God's what? 
after his heart. So David's after God's heart, and he loves his law. Why? That doesn't make sense in the old economy of follow the rules or else you get zapped. Follow the rules or else, you know, you're not, you're, I'm going to push you in bondage or give, bring famine into your life. Or, you know, the, the God of the Old Testament that looks down at us and was trying to get us to the end of ourselves, and we didn't get it. And we still want to live that way. It just blows my mind. But here's what we do have. Gavin Place, West, Remnant, a few that aren't sick today. <laughs> Here's what we do have. We have the opportunity to be the people who God washes clean with his pure blood. Which most of you here have done that, but some of you haven't. I encourage you, invite Christ to come in and take away your sin and be your righteousness for you. It's a free gift of God. Invite him to do that. Don't put that off. Do it. But we've been washed with clean water, most of us, and, and we're standing here today with the opportunity for God to soften our hearts. And the only way he's going to do that is if we just engage with him, just surrender, like the song talked about. Just surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit revealing truth to you about who God is and then start paying attention because God is going to be faithful. There's nothing that God wants more than to reveal himself to you. And he will do it. Just pay attention. Open your eyes to see it. Quit explaining away when your heart knows you just saw something that God revealed about himself to you. Quit explaining that away as happenstance or chance or whatever. It's God revealing himself. Uh, and then get, get proactive. Start seeking God in his word. Pray. Read the Bible. Ask God to reveal himself. Ask God questions about life and watch God answer those questions. You've got plenty of things you need help on. You know, don't, don't do, put your life on autopilot and just walk it however it feels right. Ask God and watch, watch how he answers in his word. It's crazy how you will be asking God a question and just reading through the Bible like you normally do. So yesterday I read Romans, today it's 15, today I'm going to read 16. And you read it and then boom, there it is. Are your daily devotions, some of you do, um, you know, I do. You, you will read certain people every day, Oswald Chambers, my most first highest, or A.W. Tozer's daily devotions, or Henry Blackaby, all kinds of devotions that we read. When you read those, watch. Pay attention. I try to post some of those when God really speaks something that reinforces what I preached on Sunday, which is always. I don't always post it, but, I mean, it's crazy how he will speak to remind us of what we, what we talked about yesterday. Why does he do that? It's not random in happenstance or some kind of accident or something that happens only every now and then. It's God is communicating with us. He wants us to know him. So just pay attention. He is awesome. And I, I feel so stupid. And, and you guys, I appreciate your patience with me. And I know you probably don't know any better. But I was telling Bill this morning, uh, ex-pastor, new pastor in a different setting. I, you know, I feel so stupid so many times because I, as I get a new insight into God, I realize I've missed everything. I mean, I have, God, I have been missing it. And there, I've never felt like I've missed it more than just looking at Jesus. This is changing my heart, my actions, my life is being radically transformed by just looking at Jesus. And I have no theology to offer you guys or doctrine or practices. I just got him today, and I'm so excited to be able to tell you about what I discovered about him this week with hopes that we can worship the God that we discovered today, okay? Because he is, you know, we don't know him. The disciples spent three years with him, and Jesus is... Jesus' reprimand or his word to them was to Philip, how long will you be with me and you still don't know me? 
You know, they, they're asking questions they should know the answers to. And so we're in the same boat. And hopefully today, as we look at Jesus telling all, that's who he is. Jesus is a God. He is the God who tells all. He's not holding anything back of himself. He's going to self-disclose uh, to Nathaniel and, the, and Philip and whoever else stands around. He's self-disclosing today. And, and he's not only going to tell us all about himself, he's going to tell us all about ourselves. Hopefully we'll get to the point where we realize in, in a relationship with God, he is revealing truth to us about who he is. He is meeting us with nothing hidden, and he wants us to do the same. That we can come to him wherever we are. Whoever you are, however you are, uh, just be honest about it. God's not looking to, to, for you to come and fake him out because you can't do it. All right, he's, coming, he's looking for you to come as you are and just experience him and let the experience change you. How hard is that? But I've been doing so many other things. Yeah, and I apologize again for being a sorry pastor. And it's not tongue-in-cheek or wink of the eye. I, I feel that so often. And I know we're all benefiting. I know that, too. I know you're benefiting from my from my study and my discoveries of God, you are benefiting from that. And praise God for that. He, is, he takes, he redeems everything, right? So I'm the pastor you need, but I'm just such a sorrow. <laughs> so we're going to get better, all of us together, all right? Uh, so today we're going to keep diving in. Man, I'm so excited about just the just simple truth that I've missed uh, so many times in Scripture because I'm always looking at something else. Uh, and today we're going to keep our eyes focused on him, okay? There's some stuff that you're going to have questions about theologically. You're going to have questions about words and what do they mean and the setting and all that stuff. Just don't worry about that for now, okay? We're just going to dive in and see Jesus. As he continues to call disciples, I really feel like the Lord wanted me to start by focusing on the disciples, right? Because the disciples were the ones that were world changers at the end. They got him as much as anybody did. They understood Jesus. They saw him for who he was as much as they could with limited sight. They saw him for who he was, and they were radically changed by what they saw in such a way that they, they told the world, and, and we're all changed because of their testimony. All right, so we're going to start with them. Uh, so let's move on in the text in chapter 1 of John. We'll start at 43 today. It's where we left off last week. And let's look at Philip and uh, Philip's response, and, uh, and then we'll look at Nathaniel in detail today. All right, so chapter 1, verse 43 to 51. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. We've heard that before, right? Now, Philip was from Beth- Beth- Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found the one of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Again, we hear that so much from John. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. All right, that's our text for today. First of all, I just want to make this point. I am a, a psychology professor at Louisiana College. Most of you know that. And it just so happens that I'm going through, uh, I'm teaching the class interpersonal relationship skills this semester. Just so happens, right? I mean, I have learned so much about Jesus by, by going through this, teaching this class first time that I've taught the class. But there, there's, I've been teaching about in the last couple of weeks about self-disclosure. And, and that's what Jesus is doing today. Jesus is telling all today. He is self-disclosing. Now, I want to show you kind of uh, the components of what's called the onion model, which is the, the kind of a, the typical quick description of self-disclosure. But here it is. First of all, uh, you have the, your public image, which is the outer layers of the person. So if we take an onion, you know, the outer layer of the onion, you say when you get to know somebody, you peel in the onion back one layer at a time, right? So the outer layer uh, of, a per, of a person is uh, those things that are visible to others. And then the private self is the next layer, or the innermost layer, rather, of a person, and they, they, it only reveals that to significant others. And so there's breath, which is the number of various topics that could be discussed with a person, and then there's depth, the, the, the uh, degree to which we discuss things with people or self-disclose. And so breath would be, I have lots of relationships. I have a relationship with everybody in this room, right? And we have topics we can all talk about. The church is one of those. Some of you, that's the only topic we have. Others of you, I have a lot of topics because I've, I, I've gone deeper. I have more conversations. Uh, you and I have more intimacy with one another, and I'm, I'm self-disclosing, all right? So that's kind of in a nutshell, this concept of self-disclosing, and that's what Jesus is doing in this passage. He is disclosing himself. He is opening himself up and telling all. Immediately, he tells enough that to Nathaniel, uh, he's like, goes right into this conversation about who he is and reveals that he's the Messiah. Now, he hasn't done that with a lot of people. He, he hasn't really come in and said that. to. Uh, he has reserved himself from some people who didn't need to know at the time because they were going to crucify him and that he needed to hide himself from some of those. But for those of us who are going to put our faith in Christ, those of us who have, who have made the decision to receive the gift of eternal life, he is not hiding anything. He wants you to know everything about him right now. He wants to disclose himself to you. Now, for most of us, we, we're going to be reserved about revealing ourselves to people. That's the natural way of doing things. So I think it's significant that we see this about Christ. And to me, it's just, uh, it's beautiful the way he unfolds this um, to Nathaniel. So level one, Philip told Nathaniel about Jesus. He says, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So the first thing he says is we've found him. So Nathaniel had an experience with Jesus where he was called. I mean, uh, Philip had an, had an experience with Jesus where he was called by Jesus to come and follow him. 
So this is something that, uh, and because Nathaniel knew Philip, now he's getting some inside information about Jesus. What kind of inside information? First of all, he has been convinced by his own personal experience with Jesus of two things. Number one is that Jesus is the Messiah. All right, he's been convinced of that. Whatever it took, Jesus revealed himself to, to Philip in a way that he was convinced that he was the Messiah. No, we don't have anything else of Philip's story, all right? but we know he was convinced. And the second thing we know is that uh, Philip was confident that he could go to Nathaniel and that he could bring him to Jesus and that Jesus would reveal himself to Nathaniel. He was confident in that. Uh, that's, that's huge to me. I don't know if you've ever met anybody who was so comfortable with themselves that they just let you know who they were right off the bat. Nothing hidden. Comfortable with themselves, comfortable with their own skin. You know, they just, they're just let you know who they are. You might hope they did, wish they hadn't, but they, they let you know everything about them. They're very open about who they are. They're not hiding anything. They're not worried about uh, you accepting them or not accepting them. There's a lot to be said about Jesus and how comfortable he was with who he was. Jesus wasn't trying to hide anything. There's not anything about me that you're not that I don't want you to know. Just know it all. Right? So he reveals himself, but he, he revealed himself in such a way that that Philip was confident that Jesus would also reveal himself to Nathaniel. So we can start there. Start there for ourselves, first of all. Are you confident that Christ wants to reveal the truth about who he is to you? Or look, not just through me, but to you. Yourself. In your own experience with him. One of the hardest things for pastors is to let people, to lead people to Jesus so they can encounter him for themselves. It's so hard for us to wait because we want to see a church that's full of people. We want to see people moving and responding to what we say instead of responding to him. Philip has one question or one thing that he's trying to reveal, and that's Jesus. He wants him to go meet Jesus. And so I don't know where you are in your understanding of who Jesus is, but please today, if you don't take anything else away from this, just know. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants that. I am without a doubt confident in that. I have no hesitation because I have come to know him in, in so many personal ways and have asked other people to come and see. And when they've seen him, he revealed himself to them. It doesn't matter who you are. I had an atheist friend who I built a relationship with. Actually, most of you know this story, but it happened at Louisiana College. I was asked to go to a news writing class, and, and they interviewed me in the class. And it was all, you know, it started off, that's all it was. I was just, just a, you know, recessive dummy. You know, I came in there, they asked questions, just, you know, just hurry up, come in here. We need somebody. Hey, you're a warm body. Walk in here. So I walk into this classroom. They ask questions, you know, where are you from? You know, what's your name? Blah, blah, blah. Cool. You know, tell us about your mother. So all just basic kinds of questions. And then, they, then one of the guys stood up in the back of the class and said, hey, I got a question for you. Why is it that y'all feel like you can shove religion down people's throats at this school? And of course, you hear a pin drop in the classroom, and everything went from little honky-dory, little, you know, process to now we're getting 
everything got real. And and so we talked for a minute, and you know, ultimately, I you know, I wasn't. I, I, part of me was offended, but I was, you know, I knew I, I was big, a big enough person at the time, maybe to to not lash out. I wanted to take his question seriously, and so we talked for a while, and then we came to the conclusion. I said, "Look, can we just can we just agree that we're coming from two different worldviews, and that you know we're not going to agree because we got out of religion real quick and just got to Jesus?" And he said, "Yeah." And so he sat down. Well, the next day he called me up in my office, and I thought he was coming to, for more, you know, argument. And, uh, and, and we really didn't. I didn't argue with him, honestly. We just kind of just said, we, we're going to disagree. So let's just don't, you know, there's no need for us to go here. He came to my office, and uh, instead of wanting to fight, he, he wanted to thank me. He said, man, I just appreciate you hearing what I had to say. He said, I can't tell you how hard it is for me to be an atheist in this environment. I said, I can't imagine uh, so we had a discussion. We started talking, and, uh, and in the midst of that discussion, first of all, he was honest. He was real. It's where he was, and I appreciated that about him. But here's what I knew. If there's any way I could get him to Jesus, not to the church, not to those people that had been condemning him and telling him, trying to convert him, if I could get him beyond that, all of that to the person of Jesus, that, that he, Jesus would reveal himself to him. And I didn't know how to do that. I'm going to be honest with you. And, and I'm starting now to know, but that was way back, you know, that was back in the late 90s. How do I do this? So I just asked the Lord. And the Lord revealed for me, I believe, to just tell him, listen, I'm going to pray for you. Uh, I said, what I hear you saying is you don't believe that God is real. And he laughed. And he said, yeah. And I said, I get that. I said, but here's what I'm going to do. Oh, he asked me, by the way, what do Christians believe anyway? And so I showed him the plan of salvation, just laid it out. You know, Jesus died. Here's what, you know, God, he brought, brings us back to God's free gift. And I said, so I'm saying you don't, you're saying you don't believe that. He said, and he laughed and said, no. I said, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. And if I didn't believe that God was real enough to reveal himself to you, then, uh, then I, what I believe is not true. I say, I believe God's going to reveal himself to you. And so that's what I'm going to pray. And that's it. End of story. Well, I didn't see him again for months. Uh, this was, uh, I don't know if it was the beginning of the semester. And then, so we get into the semester. Well, it, it, it comes, uh, actually, the, he said what he would do is for the holidays, uh, during the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays, he would read the book of John and he would uh, come back and talk to me in January. So that's what he did. He came back in January. I asked him how the believing thing was going. He said, and he again kind of giggled, and he said, I still don't believe. I said, well, that's cool. I said, I'm going to still pray for you. He said, but I got to tell you something. I thought, well, there's a butt in there. He said, I want to believe. I thought, hmm, God's fixing to get this dude. So... I kept praying for him. That's all I did. I didn't have any interaction with him that whole semester. Um, I was available to him, but we didn't have any interaction. All I did was pray. But I was confident that God was going to reveal himself to him. And I never had that thought before, that God would actually do it himself, that I didn't have to do it. You know, we're so confident that if we don't win somebody, they'll never get one. No. God wins people. God plants. He waters. He He converts. He draws. He does all of it. Now, God uses us because he wants us to experience him. 
But, but God is going to save this guy. And I never had thought about it like that. This guy is not open to anything else. It's going to be God or nobody. Well, long story short, March came. He disappeared, and I'm, I'm looking for him because I felt like God put on my heart to get with him and have lunch with him and just ask him how he's doing. And he, he never answered my calls. He didn't, yeah, so then I started uh, going to, uh, you know, had everybody. I was working at LC at the time. I checked his schedule, went and kind of was going to meander in the hall and catch him on the way out of class. Well, he didn't come out of class. And so I asked his professors, and he hadn't been there for, this was almost two weeks. I wonder what's going on. So anyway, that, that Wednesday of the third week, he's, he's actually, or Tuesday, he's running sound for chapel. And I said, man, where you been? He said, right, it's a long story. He said, but I can do lunch with you tomorrow, and I'll tell you. I said, good. So we had lunch the next day. And he said, um, I said, where you been? He said, yeah, I hadn't, you know, I've been looking for you for two weeks. He said, well, I tried, to, I tried to kill myself, and I've been in the hospital. I checked myself in the hospital. And so we talked about that for a minute, just, you know, I just kind of, wow, you know, sorry, you know, what happened. And he broke, his girlfriend broke up with him. He lost hope, and he tried to kill himself. And he said, I was looking for, uh, for bullets for the gun. And I know I got bullets everywhere in that house, and I couldn't find any. And uh, he said, and so I, I just drank until I passed out. And when I woke up, I realized if I had found bullets, I would have killed myself. And I checked myself in the hospital. And so I said, you know, after a little bit of conversation, of course, and trying to be sensitive, which is hard for me, uh, he said, I said, well, how's the believing thing going? And he said, man, I was almost at a point of believing. I really feel like that. And he says, and then this happens, and I don't know how to make sense of it. And God brought the scripture to mind. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and I come that you might have life and have it to the full. And I said, man, look, as real as God is, Satan's also real. and He wants to kill you before you believe. And that was what he needed to hear. Uh, now, God had been drawing him, working in him. God brought him to the end of himself. Brought him, All that was God working and moving. God saved his life by hiding bullets. God you know, caused him to go to the hospital. God brought him to the end of himself. God did all that. And this guy prayed the sweetest prayer in my truck in the Wendy's parking lot before we went into Wendy's. And he walked in a different person. Had the best chili he ever had in his life when he walked in. <laughs> when he's uh, I am confident, are you, that not only has God revealed himself to you and wants to show you more of who he is, he wants to do that to you by yourself. You don't need me to, to have him do that. I'm going to try to help and be a part of that if you want me to be. But you know what? If you walk out of here today, just walk out with this if you never come back. God wants you to know him, and he's not hiding anything from you. And you can be the farthest away from God. This guy was an atheist, and God was able to reveal himself to him. He wants to show you who he is. Okay? Just know that. Pay attention. Start looking around. God wants to speak to you. And it may be in a hard circumstance like that, but God's even in that stuff. And so Nathaniel, or Philip, was confident. He said, you know, in, in response to, uh, well, first of all, here's Nathaniel's response. He, you know, of all things for for Philip to say, he says, you know, he talks about the, the, the passage in the Old Testament where it says that, that Jesus would come out of Nazareth. And, uh, and you know, not knowing that, uh, Ben and I were talking about this this morning, uh, how Nazareth would look to Nathaniel. 
for whatever reason, and we're not diving into that today because that's not going to help us see Jesus, but for whatever reason, Nathaniel had an issue with Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Really? Out of Nazareth? You know, it'd be like saying, I don't want to, I better use rain. I'll use my hometown. Start to use something around here, but some of y'all might be from that little something around here. Can anything come a good come out of rain? You know, uh, just you know, whatever it was, there was something there. That had purpose. He didn't understand it. But rather than arguing with Nathaniel, here's what he did. He said, come see. Come see. And again, all right, let's make our application. I'm not going to argue with you about whether Jesus is real or not. I'm not going to argue about, with, with you about whether these things that I'm saying about him is true or not. I'm not doing that. There's no need for us to go into arguments. You know what I'm going to say? Come see. Come see for yourself. Come hang out with Jesus yourself and see. All right? All I want to do is introduce you to him. I want you to know him, and I want us to know him. I want us to know him personally in a way that we're going to be radically transformed by who we see. Philip was transformed in a second. And, and Nathaniel, rather than arguing with you about Nazareth, because I know you've got opinions about Nazareth, I know that girlfriend that you had broke up with you. I know whatever it was, that, you know, that she was from Nazareth. You hate Nazarenes, but come see. Let that settle it. Let's settle our issues. Settle our differences. Go see Jesus for yourself. Okay? If you've got problems with some of the stuff I say, go see him for yourself. Go find out who he is. He wants to reveal himself to you. And so, but this is important. It's important that, that Nathaniel asked that question. So Philip was certain that Jesus would accept Nathaniel. He invites him to experience Jesus for himself. I met the Messiah. I'm confident that he wants to meet you. Come on, let me show you who he is. You're going to be changed by the seeing, okay? So come on. And then Jesus, of course, when, when they come up, Jesus opens Nathaniel up by addressing something that Nathaniel would probably never have told him and Jesus applauds him for it. Look at it in verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. I get the picture of this. Remember, remember the, the, the setting is that the Jewish leaders despised Jesus. Uh, the, all the religious rulers who had rejected Nathaniel, as, long, as well as Matthew, who we talked about before, Jesus loves the rejected. All right? He's loving the rejected. But here's Nathaniel, too, who's been rejected. He's not a disciple of a rabbi. Yeah, he's just a loser, another, like the rest of us. And, and Jesus says, out loud, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. No deceit. Finally, somebody from Israel who is not trying to be deceptive. Finally, somebody from Israel who's going to be honest about where he is. Finally, somebody from Israel who's looking beyond all this religious junk and sees himself as a loser and is willing to admit it and is not worried about it. Now, he never would have told Jesus. You know, yesterday I was talking about you and I told um, Philip that nothing good could come out of out of uh, Nazareth. So what are you going to do about that? You know? He would never have revealed that to Jesus. And so Jesus brings it up. 
Like Jesus says, you were talking bad about me yesterday. And guess what? Come on, be my disciple. Yesterday, you, you got some problems in your life, Nathaniel. But guess what? Come on, be my disciple. Come follow me. Y'all getting the picture? You think this community doesn't need to hear, or you don't need to hear, that you, are, you have messed up? That you have gotten things wrong? I just confessed before you as an example, not on purpose. I was being honest. But I, I really understand how much of a loser I am outside of Christ. Now, I'm awesome with him. You know, because I'm perfect with him. But, I, you know, look, when we, we are all messed up. And, and, and the pastor of this church is just as messed up in, alone without God looking at me through the lens of Jesus. He sees me as a loser because that's who I am. And it's okay to be there. If you're here today and you're, you feel like tomorrow, you can go to somebody and say, I was in church yesterday, finally getting it together. You got the wrong picture. If you think that you're looking at God, God's looking down and saying, well, finally, they're doing pretty good. They showed up at church, except for all those ones that are puking at the house. You know. You're the good ones because you showed up. Man, you're missing it. You're missing it. We're here today to celebrate the, the person that we discovered this week who is a person who looks at us in our, in our lostness and says, just be honest about who you are. That's, what, that's where relationships come from. And I'm, I'm going to self-disclose to you and you self-disclose to me. Don't hold anything back. Don't, let, don't make me peel the onion back a piece at a time because I already know what's in the middle of the onion. And I'm peeling it all back and I'm showing you the middle. And so, so just be who you are and realize you don't have to hide that. And I can tell you and have said this already, I want to tell you again. In the front of the gathering place west, you can be who you are and you will be accepted here. If you believe that, say, oh, yeah. There's a good hearty oh, yeah, right there. Because that's who we are. We realize we're messed up. And we're all messed up, but it's okay. We're not, it's not a slogan. It's the truth. It's the truth. We know it. But Jesus looks at us and he says, reveal yourself to me. Because until you get honest about who you are and where you are and what's going on really in your life, and you're willing to disclose that to me, then we can't get real. You got to get real, and then I can take you from real to better, a better real. All right, I can grow you from where you are. But the biggest problem for most of us at the Gathering Place West, if you haven't realized this, you will see this quickly. The biggest problem for most of us prior to us coming to understand truth about God is that we were never real. We always had to put on a show. We always had to act like we're somebody we weren't. Because religion demands that of you. Right? If if you're living your life in performance mode, you got to be on on your best behavior all the time. And you got to impress people. And and you worry about what people think because you think your salvation is dependent upon whether you got it right or not. Whether your belief is right, whether your thoughts are right, whether your actions are right. And God wants you to get real. So, look, this, this may cause you to be a worse person in the eyes of religious people in this town. And I say, okay, it's all right. Because I think Jesus is telling us in this passage, be who you are first. Get real first, and then let's, let's work from there. Because as long as you're trying to hide something from Jesus, you're not being who you are. He is not impressed. 
He is not impressed. Look at what he says to, to Nathaniel. He says, there's one. There's one that's finally going to be honest. He's being real. And then Jesus responds by saying, now, let me tell you who I am. When he told him that, he said, how did you know? So Philip and Nathaniel says, how did you know who I was? How did you know that I said that yesterday? Jesus told him, he said, before you told me about this, I saw you. Before you told me, I saw you. Jesus is going to the next level of self-disclosure here. He's revealing to Philip that he's the Messiah. Because there's numerous passages that say that, that, that the Messiah would be able, would know all things. That he would have this knowledge from God that nobody else had. That, that he would have the, the Father disclosing to him truth. That he would know things that nobody knew uh, he knew. And so before that, he, he reveals, to, reveals himself as Messiah. Look at Isaiah 11. Here's one example. Isaiah says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Talking about Messiah. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Jesus' eyes were roaming around the earth, looking across. How many times is he in a crowd of people and he pulls one out? How many times is he in a crowd of people and he he goes to one's house? Or he, he saves one or he touches one or he heals one? Uh, out of a crowd of people. His eyes are roaming around the earth, the eyes that the, that the prophet Isaiah were talking about, eyes that have knowledge that goes beyond just what he sees. Eyes that sees the truth about people. And he says, I saw you yesterday. Listen, Jesus knows us all intimately. You may or may not understand that or believe it, it blew uh, Nathaniel's mind that he saw him, but he saw him. And, and Jesus is looking around this room today, and just know this. He is looking for you. He's looking for the person that, that he can reveal himself to. He's looking for the person that's, that will say, I want you to reveal yourself to me, and let me just get honest about where I am. And so let's just have this moment of intimacy where we, we get real and we disclose ourselves to one another let's get to the middle of the onion right now and let's show ourselves to each other and he's ready to do that he's looking right now across this room and i encourage you to challenge god in that to ask him god do you really want to reveal yourself okay do it do it now reveal yourself to me show me yourself and watch what god does this week watch how he reveals himself and watch what kind of story you have to tell on the heels of this week i'm saying come and see And he will reveal himself to you. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. See how he says the word of God, and then he says he. We know who the Word is. The Word is He. It's Jesus. Jesus has the ability to look into us, see our issues, dig in deep, find out what's going on, and fix that stuff from the inside out. 
His word literally does that. He is the word, but his written word also does it. The Holy Spirit enlightens us and moves in us. We are all naked before God. There's nothing hidden. Okay, so so quit trying to hide something because it's not hidden. You know, God knows everything about you. And so don't meander your way through the first four or five layers. Just get on into the middle of it and be who you are. Jesus says this. He says, I saw you under the fig tree. Jesus revealed himself as not only as the Messiah, but he also revealed himself as one who sees the efforts of man. One thing I will say about the fig tree that I think is significant because Jesus is saying that. He's using this word. But the fig tree, according to a number of commentaries, was uh, when when someone would go and sit under a fig tree, it was representative of them praying and seeking God, and 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 being uh, getting, going before God to call to cry out to God for something, you know. I, I know that Philip uh, or Nathaniel heard that the Messiah was there. It was being announced. It was spreading rapidly. Uh, this word that Messiah was was uh, was was there. People thought Messiah was there, but it wasn't the first time that people thought Messiah was there. My speculation because I know how God does. My speculation is that not only was he praying under the fig tree and Jesus noticed that, but that he was probably praying, asking God to reveal, is this really the Messiah? God, please let it be the Messiah, but also let me know if this is another hoax, somebody trying to get something out of us, or is this really the one? Is he really one? We know that this is questions that all of the people in that time were asking. John the Baptist, even after he had his experience, encounter with Jesus, sends his, from prison, sends his disciples back to ask him again, are you the one? Because that's the question of the day. Is this the Messiah? So, so here's Nathaniel praying for Messiah, asking the Father, maybe, you know, is this the one? But regardless, he is under the fig tree, giving his best effort to find out. The reason why I believe it's what he was asking is because Jesus reveals himself as Messiah. I saw you yesterday under the fig tree praying. You know, so, so picture that. Philip comes. He invites him to come see. He hears him make this statement. And then Jesus, when he, when he sees him, says, I saw you under the fig tree. I didn't just see you. I saw you. Right? I saw you making your effort, going before God. I am the Messiah. You know, Philip, said, uh, G, uh, Philip had already said that. He's the Messiah. And then he confirms it to him by saying, I saw you under the fig tree, praying, doing your best. Listen, it's okay to do your best. All right? God sees that. He knows and he honors that. When you are pursuing God with, your, with all your heart, don't think you're going to find a God who's not going to be willing to, to reveal himself to you. He knows. He sees you. He sees you making your efforts. Just make the efforts for the right reason. Don't, don't think that your spiritual duties, you being under the fig tree praying, if you're praying to be seen by others, that that's going to make a difference. It doesn't. But if you're praying and you're seeking and you don't know what to do and you're just saying, you know, i Personally, I've read every kind of book on prayer you could ever think about. I still don't really understand prayer. What am I doing? Why am I praying? I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. If God already has his will, you know, there's all kinds of things about prayer I don't understand. I, I willingly admit that, but you know what? I'm praying. 
And when I'm praying, I'm seeking God. I'm trying to figure out, God, what are you, who are you? What, are you? what do you want to show me about yourself? God, will you reveal yourself to me? And Jesus does, answers his prayer. You know why? Because Jesus is trying to get right to the point. I'm the Messiah. And he sees it immediately, right? So, so Nathaniel responds by saying, uh, what's he calling? Rabbi. And you are the king of kings. And he, he starts going to the Old Testament prophecies about who he is. And you are who you said you were. And, and, and Jesus says, what? Because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? For reals? It's because you was under the fig tree. Wait. Wait. Come on and follow me. And there's going to be day after day after day that you're going to see heavenly signs that he talked about in Ephesians 1. You're going to see heavenly things coming to earth because I'm connected with God and I'm also connected with the earth and God sent me here to be able to reveal to you more about who he is and you fixing to see all the truth about who I am. If you want to, just come see. Come on. Come follow me and I'm going to reveal stuff to you. You're impressed by that little thing? Wait. Watch what you're going to see. I'm going to reveal to you the truth about who the Father is. All these lies you guys have been hearing, all this messed up stuff that has taken, hist- taken years and years to, that people have developed and messed up to the point that it, it doesn't even show God anymore for who he is, come with me. Let me show you something. Wait. You're fixing to see stuff you're not going to believe. And he invites them to day after day after day after day of revelations of who he is. And Philip and all the other disciples are blown away by who God revealed himself to be. Now, why do we have to have that only be a story in the, Old Te- in the New Testament? Why does it have to be just the 12 disciples and we think that we're not like them? I'm just like him. I'm just like him, and so are you. We're, we're pitiful. We're losers. We're, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can. We're trying to make something out of life, and then God comes in and says, I got something for you, and it is the life you're looking for. It's the life you always wanted. It's joy. It's contentment. It's peace. It's satisfaction. It's blessing. All that stuff, I got it for you, and it's found in me, and I invite you to come be one of those disciples. Come on and be, come and see for yourself. Come disclose yourself. Be who you are. Don't worry about it. You're not going to find God saying, oh, really? You did that? Oh, you better go get that fixed before you come to me. You're going to find him saying, man, I love you, dude. You know why? Because you're real. And and you can come follow me because I've been looking for real people. I'm tired of of people playing these games. They're trying to work their way up to me. Why is it that God throughout history has always messed up the plans of anybody that tried to get to God on their own? Right, all the people trying to find God, find God in the Tower of Babel, it confuses the languages. Why? It's not you're not going to get there on your own. I want to reveal myself to you. And whoever you are, I accept you as you are. And God chooses loser after loser after loser in the Old Testament, New Testament. He's constantly choosing people who are nobodies, and He wants you because you're nobody. When are we going to get that in our heads and make our own story? When are you going to have your own gospel to tell? Right? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the right one. When are you going to have your own story about Jesus and the goodness of Jesus, the good news of who he is, to tell the people around you and to live out in your own life? I say now's a good time. I say we take the invitation of Jesus to come today, and you just accept that.
and you say yes to him today as we worship him uh, in, in close today, and you say yes to him, I want to come, and I want to meet you where I am, and I want you to reveal yourself to me, and I'm looking, I'm watching, I'm walking with you, I'm abiding in you, and I'm, we're going to walk through this together. I want to know you. Man, what a beautiful picture of who he is. I mean, we're finding some good stuff out about Jesus. I hope you're, you're applying that to your life. I'm trying to help us to do that. But, man, this is, this is life-changing stuff. So what happens, you know? What happens whenever we do embrace this kind of stuff? Well, first of all, he says this. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Here's a good response. Now that you have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God, right? How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want want to be once more? Stop. Look at me. Don't read the last sentence if you hadn't done it. You would think he's talking about sinners who are living in paganism and, and horrible, sinful pleasures, but he's not. Look at what he's talking about. Last verse, verse 10 and 11. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I've labored over you in vain. Here's what Paul's saying. You came to know God. God came to you and said, come follow me. He came to you and said, I know you where you are, and I choose you anyway. Matter of fact, I choose you because of where you are. Just be honest. And he says, now, let me show you who I am. Boom. And he starts revealing himself to you. And then all of a sudden, you have some religious folk come in and say, but you're not living. You're not going to church every Sunday. You're not going three times a week. You're not on the committees. You're not, you're not a part of the uh, witnessing planning team. You're not going on the mission trip. You're not doing this. You, all the stuff. And they were starting to worry about it again, this, the Galatian church. And he says, well, why? I feel like I've labored in vain to try and tell you it's about knowing Christ. Don't be drawn back into that. Here's what's going to happen this week. Uh, here's what this should do for us. This knowledge of the fact that God receives us as we are, he wants us, he already knows us inside and out. So we are already known by God, and now we want to know God. You begin to pursue that. You make a decision today to do that. First thing will happen, you'll walk out the door and somebody's going to tell you you're not religious enough. And all week long, you're going to walk into why you're not good enough, uh, why your church is not a good enough church, you're not a good enough person, you, you mean y'all don't do this this way and y'all don't have one of these? And all the rules will start coming up. And you're going to be just like these people if you're not paying attention. He says the result of knowing God should be that we put away all that stuff. Quit worrying about all that stuff. Enjoy God. And the elementary principles of the world, that stuff's going to go away if you just enjoy God. Now that's real stuff, okay? That, that's a heart change. That's Jesus reaching in, taking a heart of stone, and softening it, right? He's getting in there, he's grabbing our heart, and he's changing us. And from the inside, all of a sudden, our actions are going to start changing. There's no shortcut to that. You can't follow the TGP West creed. You got to just get to know God, and that's going to change for you. And we're committed to that here. Okay, I hope you're seeing that. We are committed to helping you to do that, not to, to te- giving you a list of things to do, 
uh, but we are committed to helping you to find God. All right, let's pray. Father, I just pray that, that you would help us to see ourselves, ourselves uh, naked before you. Understanding, God, that, that you know us inside and out. There's nothing about us that you don't know. And Father, let, let us today see that you are inviting us, that it's in your character to reach out to, to people like us. That's who you are. And, and Father, that you reach down and grab the, the, the worst of the children in the orphanage of the world and you make us sons and daughters. And you bring us into your mansion and you, and you give us the best of who you are. Father, I pray that that will grab our hearts in such a way that we will reveal ourselves to you, good or bad, and ask you, God, to show yourself to us. And as our two personalities get together, Father, there's change that's going to happen in us because we can't see you and stay the way we are. So, Lord, I pray against anybody turning back to observing days and months and seasons and years, doing the things that we labored over in our old way of living, those weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, that we would not allow the world to draw us or the church in so many ways to draw us back into slavery once more but that we would come to know you or rather be known by you in such a way that we'd never turn back to that. God, continue to show us yourself. We see Jesus for who he is. And Father, we don't have the right ways to do stuff, but we know that, you're see, that you see us today under our fig tree, doing our best to try and find you, asking, begging, Lord, that we could know you. And I'm confident today, Lord, with the confidence of Philip, that I have said what you needed, what I needed to say to this congregation of people and that they've heard you. And that I'm confident that you're going you're gonna to accept them like you accepted me. And so, Father, help us to walk that out this week and continue to reveal yourself to us. Lord, we worship you today because of who we, can, we continually discover you to be.